0: Welcome, Strategy Simplified listeners. I'm delighted today to get to speak with Dr. Nicholas Lang, BCG senior partner and one of the authors of the new book, Beyond Great. In the book, Nikki and his colleagues, Arundham Bhattacharya and Jim Hemmerling, identified nine strategies for companies to thrive amidst the dynamic forces of social tension, economic nationalism, and digital transformation affecting global business today. Let's jump in. We are so pleased to have with us today Dr. Nikki Lang, uh, a senior partner from the BCG Munich office. We're going to be discussing his book today, Beyond Great. So we're going to be getting into some of the, the details of the book, certainly in the show notes. Uh, you, can, you can see a link to purchase there. Uh, but Nikki, thanks so much to join us today. Yeah, it's a pleasure. Uh, warm welcome from Munich. Thank you so much. Uh, well, let's let's dive in. Let's dive into the book. So you, know, you and R&M and Jim, you came up with nine strategies that business need to, businesses need to do moving forward. Uh, now, these seem to be born out of a set of you know, shifts on globalization that you identified, social tension, geopolitical shifts, technological transformation, that these new fundamental forces or these ever-changing fundamental forces really require businesses to operate in a new and different way. Uh, Here off the top, could you just speak
1: briefly to each of those three forces? Yeah, of course, uh, Stephanie. I think what you see in the world in which we are now is that I would say, especially in the last decade, in the 2010s, we have seen those three forces uh, gaining in momentum and also gaining in impact for global business. First, if we talk about social tension. Social tension ranges from climate change, where I don't think that I need to give any examples of what's happening. I think if we look at just the last summer, Uh, uh, All the fires and all the challenges we see, I think, makes it very clear that uh, we are, I think, really uh, at the brink of a massive shift, but also social tension at large. When you look at um, the Gilets Jaunes movement in France uh, or the social unrest in Chile, Mm -hmm. uh, there are many situations where actually social unrest and social inequity uh, becomes a big burden uh, for for, for economies and, and businesses at large. Um, so that 's on social tension then there 's a second um, movement which we call economic nationalism, yeah, and I think you call it geopolitical shifts, which is perfectly right, but um, where I, we believe that especially I would say in the last five years, we have seen a constant rise of economic nationalism, mm-hmm. and this rise is driven by the fact that you have um, you have seen, of course, political decisions uh, ranging from Brexit to uh, obviously the U.S.-China trade tensions um, that have made global supply chains more and more fragile. Yeah, uh, Because if you're importing goods from country A to country B and you don't know if the next day you have to take pay 20% tariffs on top, this supply chain really changes. And so in the past, everyone was thinking that the world is flat and that you have a world of free trade. Uh, well, there are a lot of mountains that uh, started rising in the last five years. Yeah, And that has been driven, obviously, by the political environment. Um, And maybe just adding to this, COVID hasn't simplified the situation. Yeah, COVID, we have seen what happened with COVID. COVID, uh, suddenly we had export restrictions, uh, we have vaccine diplomacy, uh, we had disrupted supply chains, uh, and things like this. So I think economic nationalism is a reality, which will go with us over the next decades to come, whether we like it or not. And then the third topic, which is the digital transformation. Well, people will say, well, digital, we all know that things get more and more digital, but... The reality today is that um, we see uh, the speed of digital ever increasing yeah and again uh, i think uh, the first iphone is 14 years old but still my daughter is also 14 years old so if i imagine that all the digital transformation has happened in in her lifespan so far it's it's really amazing um and and on the other side uh, we see that obviously through covid uh, but also before the the level of remote services the level of distant uh, working uh, and so on has, I think, increased massively uh, over the last years. And so those three elements, social tension, economic nationalism and digital transformation, create a uniquely, I would say, challenging environment for, for business leaders. And that's why Arindam, Jim and I thought we want to write that book, which we actually started writing long before COVID hit and which became then, I think, very relevant in that specific situation.
0: Hmm. I imagine the three of you across your client bases and colleagues probably came up with a huge swath of ideas of all the different things that the company should do uh, with respect to these three forces. You, you landed on nine strategies, but can you just talk us through a little bit of the journey of uh, how did you collaboratively identify these nine?
1: Yeah, well, you know, um, I think if you... Um, just take together the the tenure of Jim and Arindam and myself at BCG, we're getting close to a century uh, (laughs) or or somewhere between 80 and 100 years. Mm -hmm. Um, And over these 80 to 100 years, you really had the privilege to be exposed to many, many corporate realities. Mm -hmm. Um, And um, and I think that makes also the book, I think, uniquely interesting because uh, you have more than 50 in-depth case studies of companies uh, that we have analyzed, uh, companies that have obviously also proved that we can write about them. Um, and, and I think it was this mixture of these external forces and the reality we see in uh, some of our clients, but also other companies. Uh, in this book, we don't only have BCG clients. We have also companies we deeply admire and we said we would like to, to profile them. Mm-hmm. Um, but so from that perspective, I think it was something that came out of this um, uh, three forces and our big, I would say, personal experience and our colleagues' experience that drove us to write those books and to identify those nine strategies.
0: Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And, and so it, it already sounds like, you know, this book was, was written uh, over a long period of time, even pre-COVID. And, you know, at least at the time of writing, you then stated that you didn't see any company out there that was really, truly employing all nine of these strategies, three to four at most. Uh, is that still the case? And do you think it's even possible for one company to do all nine of these well?
1: Well, I would say the large, large majority is covering two or three or four strategies. There are few mm-hmm. companies that are getting close to being strong on, 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 on many of them. Um, well, I think at the end of the day, if you want to be successful, I would say in the decades to come um employing these nine strategies and aiming at being strong maybe not always best practice but being strong is actually what requires uh, what is required for a sustainable development going forward yeah so let me give you just a few examples you know mm-hmm. um uh, our strategy number 1 is around uh, uh, let's say corporate social responsibility and total societal impact um we believe that there are companies that are very strong in this. Yeah? Take Natura, the Brazilian cosmetics firm that also owns Avon and Body Shop and so on. They have put, since their beginning in the 1980s, they have put social responsibility at the middle of their role. It's not something you put nicely on an advertisement, but this this was core of their strategy. The way how they produce cosmetics based on organic inputs, the way how they use uh, Um, uh, sales representatives that are being traded among Brazilian women to to sell those products. All this thing shows that corporate social responsibility and social impact is something which has to come from within and has to really go through the whole value chain. And it's not just a nice marketing uh, gimmick at the end of the value chain. So I think that's something which is very important. Another thing which is very close to my heart is ecosystems. You know, in the past, companies were just buying each other. They weren't doing M and A, and they were doing joint ventures and things like this. We believe that these, while these topics are still relevant, uh, the, many new technology development require ecosystems. So much more flexible networks of companies that are working together around a common purpose. So I think that's also something which is very important. And if you take large car OEMs, we have profiled, for example, VW. Uh, the car manufacturer uh, doing autonomous cars and electric cars in ecosystem is something which is very important a third topic and then it like closes is, is is the always on transformation yeah you know in the past in the past we saw it also in consulting companies were doing a transformation and they said oh we transformed and now we start we continue on that transformed path for the next 10 years or 15 years and then we do again a transformation well, if you look at a company like Microsoft, for example, that's a company that has taught many people that actually transformation is never over. It's always on. Yeah. So mm-hmm. these are just three topics which I believe, um next to obviously operational excellence, cost management, and so on and so on, are really elements that companies uh, of the future needs to need to embrace.
0: Mm-hmm. There's um uh, would love to shift over into to, to your work then for a second, especially this this always on transformation, uh, the continuous improvement mindset that you're kind of speaking to has that has your identification of the importance of that shifted the way in which you want to work with and engage with your clients.
1: Well, I think yes, because uh, what we have seen over the past is that uh, in the past, obviously, uh, and when it passed, well, I'm now 25 years almost with BCG. uh, So when you look back in the 1990s, uh, projects were tended to be very often limited to a specific study, a specific topic of study, and obviously then a uh, delivery to the senior management. Um, I think over those 25 years, we have seen increasingly the involvement of Working side by side with the client, uh, taking over more uh, responsibility for actually not only doing the analysis, but also co-implementing it. Or lately also, when you look at our digital businesses kind of co-creating with clients new ventures uh so yes of course i think that's also a much more integrative and continuous way of collaboration than than we used to do that 20 30 40 years ago yeah
0: mhm mm-hmm. and and you alluded there to to your second strategy right leveraging digital technology offering digital solutions um you know, certainly for this next generation of consultants, for candidates who are looking at getting into the space, many of them are considering whether or not they want to off the bat specialize in this digital space. Um, so, you know, tell us a little bit what you think about the, you know, the, the, that, that growing piece of, um, of the industry and how should those considering consulting today weigh the choice of being a generalist versus focusing in digital?
1: Yeah, well, that's an that's an excellent question, and uh, and uh, as I told you, I have a fourteen year old daughter and I have two other further kids, and they always ask what what they should do. maybe they're a little little bit premature in asking those questions, but we have quite a bit uh, we have quite a bit of discussions around the kitchen table on on jobs and so on. Now coming back to 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 the question specifically, look, when I joined BCG twenty five years ago, I was a pure generalist. Yeah, PhD in business administration, having studied in Japan and. China and everywhere, and then joining the, the industry and doing really a kind of a traditional broadband start, specializing then over time in automotive and mobility. And that's actually my home turf today. Hmm. Although it's quite interesting thing is that over the last 10 years, my work has shifted more and more and more towards digital in automotive and mobility. Yeah. So, uh, uh, today I would say half of my business is actually digital work for automotive and mobility clients. Now, when you are at the beginning of a career, I think it's really fundamentally, I think both passes are very interesting. And I have lots of discussion with, with candidates. Um, Uh, Again, I think, the, if I may call it the traditional path or the broad generalist path still has the big advantage of being exposed to a series of different industries and bringing your analytical uh, firepower, if I may say so, to different client settings. At the same time, I think in the digital area, we have... Um very different application areas, yeah, and we have very different possibilities to really um use IT skills. Yeah, so at BCG, for example, we have people that are specialized in IT implementation, that's Platinian. Mm. We have data scientists with gamma, or we have digital venture builders with, with, with digital ventures. So I think, again, what I want to say is that when you are coming with a strong digital background, you can also actually do a broadband career, given that you have very different areas of involvement at BCG. Mm,
0: absolutely. Absolutely. I, I'd love to, to dive in a little bit and see how an, a different strategy also applies at home at BCG. Uh, strategy eight, you're talking about building and maintaining a digitally savvy, engaged workforce. So how do you imply, apply that internally? How do you think about that at BCG?
1: Yeah, well, uh, I think uh, it is critical to have a digitally savvy workforce, uh, whether you are in consulting or whether you are in any other sector, because I think digital has become such a core element of everyone's activity mm-hmm. that you would not be able to, to deliver the performance you expected to deliver without having an understanding there yeah so I think this is this is clear and that implies the fact which I think is is really important is that now coming to your question what do we do at BCG I think we have um, on one side we have a, a very different uh, set of candidates, yeah, because I would say all our uh, all the colleagues that join our digital businesses, including but also our core technology advantage practice, have of course a strong exposure to digital. But then when you look at all the tools we use in our analytics, yeah, whether it's Tableau, whether it's Alteryx, and other elements, um, I would say um, every consultant in BCG. Has a strong digital skill set and sees this digital skill set evolve over the first one, two, or three years of his or her career at, at BCG. We'll be right back after this quick message. Are you getting the most out of your team? If you don't feel like you are, check out Management Consultant's corporate training offerings. With bespoke training on the pyramid principle, virtual presentations, and much more, we'll help you take your team to the next level. If they need to perform better, faster, and be more clear in their focus, check out a management-consulted corporate training offering. Click the link in the show notes to learn more and schedule a one-on-one chat to see how we can help take your team to the next level.
0: And and that second part of that strategy, a broad, deep, consistent engagement of your workforce, you know, uh, attracting top talent, retaining top talent. Uh, how are you thinking about that now in in your firm and in in your area of the business?
1: Well, I think I think you know um, have, attracting talent and keeping talent has to do a lot with culture, I think mm-hmm. has to do a lot with uh, uh, with with the way how we do work with, with the way how we interact with our clients. Um, and uh, and I think, I keep always saying our DNA, our culture is one of our strongest assets. Yeah, and this is why uh, we always make sure that uh, the teams are really closely uh, linked. That and this is challenging in a COVID environment where people are mm-hmm. working from home. And you, how can you make sure that that also comes across? But this is, I think, one of the key elements going forward. Is is that we need to as an industry specifically we need to make sure that people really uh, have the feeling that they are on purposeful engagements that really support those people that, that move the world
0: yeah mhm absolutely there's there's certainly a ton of people listening to this today who are uh, wanting advice how how might i join the ranks of BCG uh, what, are, what are two pieces of advice you would give those prospective candidates?
1: Well, um, I think I think uh, maybe just coming back to to my own history and then having seen how things have evolved over the last uh, two and a half decades. Um, I think, first of all, it's really important to understand the landscape of consulting yeah? and really understand who is out there. Who is offering uh, services and who is that company fitting to my own? How is this company fitting to my own profile? I think this is Mm. something which is really important. Um, I think this this, this own honest kind of, I would say, alignment match between your profile and the different companies' profile uh, is very important. Then I think the second one is, um obviously i think uh, is is reach out uh, send send your cvs uh, send your reports uh and and really show maybe also a a profile that is interesting yeah i think today we have many great uh, colleagues around the world that have obviously a strong academic track record but they have also been engaging in um professional or pre-professional activities, internships, but we also look increasingly for what have people been doing in extracurricular activities. Yeah, mm-hmm. How have people been engaged in social impact activities in local community activities or any other activities I think plays an important role. And then the third topic is I would always thoroughly prepare for the recruiting events and recruiting activities. There are different combinations of interviews and interview settings and um i think that's something uh, uh which can be also to a certain extent be prepared um so that would be my th- three things the so first really scan the market and look at where you believe do you fit or don't you fit and mm-hmm. also when you you ask about bcg uh, staff so the question is whether whether it's only with within bcg which one of the different aspects of bcg is most appealing to you then second as I said, reach out and third, prepare well.
0: Mm-hmm. Absolutely, absolutely. So uh, just a little, a little bit more then, I, you talked about you know where the firm sits in terms of the broader consulting industry. So when you think about BCG and the specific qualities that you're looking for, uh, what do you want to be true of the next generation of your consultants?
1: Well, I think there's just a mix of um, I would say what I could call traditional values and and new values Mm. Um, uh, but I think honestly said for me the most important element I'm looking at when I see new candidates is first their own empathy do people have empathy because consulting is about understanding other people's situations and that you can only do if you have empathy then comes the topic of analytical rigor then comes the topic of digital skills. And I think also what we're looking at is really do people have an own purpose in life? Yeah. What is their purpose? What makes them move? I think that those are the four elements I would be looking at.
0: Absolutely. And, and uh, in terms of, uh, of your purpose, what keeps you moving? You know, what is, what is it that you love about this work? What's kept you in it for 25 plus years?
1: Well, it's interesting because this is a question I get asked very frequently by Mm. friends, by colleagues, by by clients. Um, And I think it's, for me, it's a mixture of three things. First, I think, and that reflects a little bit maybe the generalist I am, the breadth uh, of the topics. Yeah, Mm. so the breadth of the topics and I would say the the intellectual challenge of the topics that's something which makes me always really uh, very excited about the work I'm doing. Uh, there's no there's not one project that is similar to the other one. So that's one. Number two, um, I think the outstanding uh, quality of the people, and by quality I mean again the topics I mentioned, empathy, cultural fit. Uh, engagement uh, is something which i which I like a lot yeah and where I take a lot of of of, of, of pleasure from it and the third one is I think is uh, long lasting client relationships. you know I'm working with clients that I know for not twenty five years to be honest but twenty two years yeah and and accompanying uh, a client for twenty two years as a corporation but also as a person. Uh, is something which I find extremely valuable, and seeing how um, this environment evolves is, makes makes me extremely satisfied, and yeah, keeps me keeps me in that job for almost twenty five years.
0: Absolutely, and and you know, uh, a lot of folks are are really taken aback and impressed by your, 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 long-standing career, your leadership within the firm. You're a human as well. You know, on this podcast, we love to dive into the human element just a little bit. So we'll end off there today. Nikki, tell me, tell me what's something that you love to do on the weekend.
1: Oh, uh, well, my new preferred activity is actually e-biking. Uh, oh. so we, 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 we bought five e-bikes and, uh, uh, and I love doing really big rounds of e-bike. And the nice thing with the e-bike is that you can go anywhere, everywhere, even with three kids between eight and 14. And you're not stuck somewhere with a bike. And then you have this, whatever, 300, 400 meter climb in a hill. Uh, and I think that makes it. So I, I would say my, my my e-bike is switched off. The, e, the e-version of the bike is switched off 70% of the time, but I'm happy to have it for the for the remaining 30% of the time. Um, yeah, so that's that's what we're doing, and we're we actually started with this during COVID because we yeah, there was obviously lockdown and you could only do some sports outside and but we took this now as a new family tradition. So e-biking, yes.
0: I love that. I love that. So you you work hard, but you play hard too. You get time with the family. Uh, what's one of your favorite places that you love to take them on vacation?
1: Uh, my favorite place to go is southern France. Uh, mm. So the Côte d'Azur—it's uh, mm. a great place. It's one of my favorite places on on Earth, I must say. The combination of climate, of language, of culture, of food—it's just a great place.
0: Absolutely! Oh gosh, got to spend a summer in Provence, and can't wait to get back. So, love it, Nikki. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thanks for sharing your insights about uh, these forces and how companies need to respond. Uh, your folks will, will will point them to to your book. Any other comments here that we didn't get to talk about today uh, in in the concept and context of of Beyond Great?
1: No, I think uh, it's just uh, maybe just one point which uh, which is interesting uh, from a corporate point of view is uh, Beyond Great is not just only a book, but. Uh, It's actually also an index. We have benchmarked more than 2,400 companies around Mm -hmm. the world against this beyond great index. So if there are companies interested in seeing how they perform on one or the other of these index variants, I think that's something which could be quite interesting going forward. But besides of that, no, thank you very much. It was a very nice discussion.
0: Thank you so much, Nikki. Thanks for joining us for this discussion. I can appreciate how continued growth and development in these nine areas is something every business needs to focus on, and that the creation of the Beyond Great Index takes these concepts a step further, being a way for organizations to benchmark themselves against others across these areas. The book's an easy read filled with lots of real-world examples and will give business professionals and consulting candidates alike a glimpse into strategies businesses are wrestling with across industries today. Thanks again to Nikki for making the time to join us here on Strategy Simplified. You'll find a link to their book, Beyond Great, in the show notes. And of course, if you're interested in working for a firm like BCG, check out our information and offerings at www.managementconsulted.com, where you'll find information and resources to help you understand the consulting industry landscape, interview process, and interview prep.